Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Tasty Tidbits Podcast. Get ready to receive rich, well-seasoned, and tasteful tidbits to transform your life. Each week, Dr. Tiffany comes to you with inspirational encouragement and thought-provoking interviews to help you revolutionize your walk with God. Are you hungry for more of His presence? Then get ready. And now, your host, pastor, author, and motivational speaker, Dr. Tiffany Watkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Tasty Tidbits. I am your host, Dr. Tiffany Watkins, and I'm so excited today uh, to have you on this broadcast today and to be able to listen on this episode because I think I I really have a lot of information that's going to really help you on today because I have a lot of you um, that's been asking and even talking about possibly um, being in the Christian entertainment industry. And so I have somebody with me whose name is Mike. He's going to talk to us a little bit more about it, but I want to give you a little bit of information about Mike. Uh, Mike earned his acting degree, um, and he's lived overseas for a full-time, as a full-time volunteer in church and youth group, what is it, a youth drops-in center? Is that what it is, Mike? A drop-in, yeah. It's sort of like one of those uh, city drop-ins where it's not a church, it's a parachurch thing. Yeah. Okay, okay. And then after that, he graduated, he entered graduate school, and he earned his Master's of Divinity with an emphasis on biblical teaching and pastoral leadership. And he's also enjoyed the first 12 years of his career as a K-12 school chaplain. And since 2017, he has served as an associate pastor at the University Place and Presbyterian Church. But the thing that I love is, is that he has his own podcast called Bible Jazz. And I was able to listen to that Bible Jazz and man, Mike, I really love uh, Bible jazz. Uh, you know, I haven't heard anything like it. And the first time that I heard it, I said, man, I've got to continue to listen to these episodes. And I think, like you said, you had over 150 episodes. Is that right? Oh, yeah, I think we're pushing 200 now. Oh, wow. Wow. So that is awesome. So I'm so excited to have you today, Mike. So just tell a little, uh, little bit more about yourself to the listeners. Oh, well, thanks for the introduction. Really gracious of you. And uh, it's, it's weird to hear someone else talk about you. I'm like, yes, <laughs> listen, everyone. Um, but no, I yeah, I live in a little town called University Place right next to Tacoma, Washington, which is just south of Seattle, uh, which is near Canada, which touches the Arctic Circle. So I like to think of myself as next door to the Arctic Circle, to the North Pole. Santa and I, uh, but by a couple yeah. thousand miles. Um, by the way, where whereabouts are you? I don't even know. I'm in South Carolina. Oh my goodness! You had some uh, some college hoops down there, wasn't one of yeah, the? Yeah, Clemson. Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And the uh, tournament, <laughs> I think, had a location there too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So here in UP, uh, really kind of unusually, in a sense, I grew up here. So did my wife. Um, and then I went away for, for those 10 years or so and ended up back here uh, by a, kind of a strange God's design sort of story, which is its own story. But my wife and I have a, a lovely daughter, and I love playing music. I still practice taekwondo actively, oh, um, wow. which is a lot of fun. And everybody's got to have some things. Like for me, it's music, taekwondo, it's maybe a few other things that kind of keep you grounded in outside of your work, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I moved into the church pastoral role after those 12 years as a school chaplain. And, and here I am, 
Uh, Bible Jazz is actually my third podcast because I like to boast, um, you know, like we're supposed to. uh, Yeah. That uh, (laughs) I was doing podcasts before anybody knew what a podcast was and knew where to get them. And when the only only place you could get them was on an iPod, hence the name podcast. That's where the name comes from. Uh, So that's how old I am. I've been podcasting here and there. But this Bible Jazz is the longest running and, and it's been a lot of fun. Well, I love Bible jazz. I just love the whole concept and everything. So I just, I can't wait to tell the listeners more about it because it's a very good episode. All the episodes have been very good. Oh, thanks a lot. Podmatch Podmatch gets credit for that largely too, because of the, just the massive diversity of guests where they are and their points of view. And it's just been a wonderful, and that's how we got connected as well. I know. Yes, that is so true. (laughs) So you want to talk a little bit about uh, entertainment, though, it sounds like. Yes, yes. You you know, you earned your fine arts degree in acting. Um, Why did you get an acting degree? You know, does it do you any good now? I love that question. It's a (laughs) two-parter. The second part is my favorite because it's the one I heard most often working on a degree in theater and acting, right? It's the classic, what are you going to do with it? It's sort of the same question you get asked if you brought home a pet lizard, you know, like what, what (laughs) is it? (laughs) Why do you have it? And what are you going to do with it? And and is it a mess? That's the other question, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pet lizard analogy over. Oh gosh, why did I do it? I, I, you know, really it was because I loved it. Um, I got hooked on, on the idea of acting when I was in seventh grade. I was in a silly little melodrama and I loved the process. I loved learning the lines, rehearsing. Uh, and of course the performances, you know, looking back, I'm a 13 year old kid, you know, uh, it was as good and as bad as you're imagining. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, But uh, from my point of view, I was like, this is amazing, you know? And I do remember one moment during a performance, so audience is there, uh, that I improvised a little bit. And I had had an instinct, and so I improvised, and it got a big laugh. Uh, And it was a comedy. The show was a comedy, you know? So, uh, And so in that moment, again, not consciously, but later when I reflected, I was like, that is a relationship that I'm very happy with. I love the audience relationship with me and uh, uh, and not in necessarily like a, a starstruck way. It was just like I do things that they like and then they do things in their response that I like and we get each other, you know? It just felt, right. felt really good. And so I was hooked. And my school at that time didn't do theater for uh, where I was. So it was not until after ninth grade. I did all sports through like eighth and ninth grade. And then after ninth grade, I did some community theater. And then my high school was really steeped in theater. So for, uh, you know, three, four years, I did every show I could. I did extra improv groups, played a lot of music with my band, which was actually a bit of a theater thing, too, since uh, our, our band was a bit of an act. We were a, a three-piece rockabilly <laughs> band, and so we had costumes, and, uh, you know, and we did this rockabilly sort of bit. It was music, but it was also kind of a bit, you know. Uh, so even that was kind of theater. I danced, uh, and I kept doing uh, community theater shows too. So when the question in like the college process came along, or what do you want to do after high school, the question for counselors and adults was, you know, what do you want to do? It was super obvious to me. I was like, well, I just want to keep doing this because it's awesome. Um, what do I do now? You know, like, well, I guess maybe <laughs> learn more about it or get some kind of credit so that somebody takes you seriously, right? So <laughs> right. there's that's how I, I got into the, the college process, you know, in terms of uh, what I do with it. I'll get to that in a second. But there's a huge however in my story about this, which is I didn't see it in the moment. But the however 
um, is uh, that I was a Christian and there really wasn't uh, a lot of moral uh, conflict. There, there was here and there, right? But like there mm-hmm. would be on a football mm-hmm. team too, right? There would be on, right. a, on a cheerleading squad. It doesn't really matter what your community is. There'll be some conflicts values wise. So it wasn't that so much that was going to lead to a change later in life for me. It was more about focus and energy and time. And the kind of time and focus I wanted to give theater, God would, would down the line, about five years down the line, would say to me, yeah, I'm going to need all that focus for, for my work, and the theater thing is going to be uh, what you do on the side. So not the other way around. It'll be, right now it's theater, full-time, uh, uh, Christian life on the side, and then five years later, God would have shown me that, that those two things were going to switch. Uh, so that's the big however, but I didn't know that at the time, so off to college I went, and and, and I have a story about that, too, uh, in response to one of your other questions. But, uh, but yeah, that's the kind of why did I do it. And in terms of how I use it, I would say, in short, I use what I learned almost every day. Okay. <laughs> almost yes, every yes. day. Yeah. So, so you use it, You would you say you use it a lot now? A lot. Um, a lot. <laughs> give, yeah. give me an example. Give me an example of just one. one yeah. Example. Well, so... Um, this a little bit when you talk about you know christians in entertainment especially in okay theater, you know but okay. at the end of the day uh, you know theater is not not always but the theater i'm interested in is all about storytelling and now mm-hmm, whether mm-hmm. or not that means it's it's a realistic form of theater that doesn't really matter um uh because dance is non-realistic and it can tell a story musicals are non-realistic and right. they tell great stories um, and so it doesn't matter if it's realism, but what matters to me is whether or not it's telling a story. And so when I get in the pulpit, uh, whatever I say has to have an arc. It has to have a once upon the time kind of moment. It typically has to have some kind of conflict, you know, right. typically has <laughs> right. some kind of climax and some kind of denouement as well. So the, the structuring of a story and the communicating of a story is the most basic way of understanding what an actor does. And so I use it every day. And in some respects, at my job as a school chaplain, I actually did compose long stories from scratch and then uh, engage in that story with the kids all year long. Um, So that was a really cool creative outlet for me. And now here at the church, I work with the youth staff and we do uh, preschool chapel and we do vacation Bible study stuff. And we just ramp it up to the nth degree because there happens to be another uh, theater artist on staff as well. So we just kind of we kind of go nuts with the with how much fun <laughs> how much fun we have yeah. so i use it all the time i know i got it has to be amazing i'm it's telling fun. you it's fun <laughs> so yeah so are there any bible characters um in the bible that you know or anything in the bible about acting yeah i, I love this question because honestly it took me <laughs> i i'm gonna confess i had to use google i googled it um <laughs> Because what came to mind was all negative. And I, I, I do think that most of the examples of anybody doing any kind of acting in the Bible are pretty much negative. So a couple examples would be um, the Greek word in the New Testament. Uh, the new, of course, the Greek world was full of theater, right? So Jesus' mm-hmm, world mm-hmm. was full of theater, at least not necessarily in Galilee, but certainly in surrounding areas of the Roman Empire. So a lot of theater going on. Um, and the, the Greek word uh, for hypocrite is hypocrite, and it, it basically means play actor. Um, because in Greek theater, Greek style theater, actors wore masks a lot of the time, stylistic, but also functional because the mask would also act as a megaphone. They didn't have microphones, so they would play in these amphitheaters, uh, and the mask would have like a little megaphone sort of built into it, and it would actually amplify their voice. 
is. And so a, a hypocrite, as it were, is someone who is behind a mask, someone you don't know who they really are because who they are on the surface is different than who they are underneath. So so that's not positive in terms of what an actor <laughs> is, right? The other example right. was when uh, Jacob steals his father's blessing from Esau. Wow, that's a good example, right? yes. So yes. he lies to his dad and he pretends to be somebody else, which is what actors do. Uh, the only mm -hmm. one I can think that was remotely positive was when David uh, in 1 Samuel 21 pretends to be insane in order to get away from an enemy. Oh, yes, right? yes, yes. That was yes. the other one. I was like, what is, that? is that good? I don't know. It's not bad. Yes, yes. Yeah, but, you, uh, know, I, you know, and I can think about that story. I was laughing, you know, when I read that story and he had the spittle and all yeah. that. He was acting like a madman. Yeah. Just, you know, crazy. But that was acting. You're right. Basically, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, but again, there, there's so many stories, including fictional stories, like parables, you know, where you go, are there actors mm -hmm. in the stories no but as jesus tells a powerful parable like the good samaritan you go are there actors in the story of the character yes there are actors in the story they just aren't people acting it out and so there's a link there i think for actors who are christians who are interested in, in acting to go actually the bible is so steeped in stories that if, if my acting is a, is a form of telling stories then there's a great uh, biblical tradition for it that's awesome, man. I, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, I was like, man, right offhand, you wouldn't think about it. But yeah. now that you mentioned those, that's great. I'm like, oh, yeah. I have to look at that again. Well, yes. That made me think too. I was like, oh gosh, actors <laughs> in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even the parables, like you said, with the parables, it's storytelling, you oh. know, and that's that's a part of the acting like you said before with the storytelling you have to tell a story so um that's great that's really great you know from my understanding and this is one thing i wonder about all the time and even with um church and different things like that when you become an actor and you have to play a particular part you have to immerse yourself in that particular role and meaning that you have to take on that representation of that person everything about their personality everything about who they are um and how does that affect the character or the actor emotionally you know after they finish that part you know because it's literally it's like and, and you help me if I'm wrong, Mike, but you have to basically some empty yourself out to become that person. Yeah, uh, that, this is really what makes acting unique amongst all the arts, right? Is that mm -hmm. I, uh, the actor once somebody said once I wish I could cite who it was, but uh, it's been, you know, 25 years. Um, somebody said once that the actor is uh, a composer. So like painter, paint and canvas. The actor is painter, paint, and canvas, right? So the actor does create. Uh, the script creates, obviously, a character and lines and things like that. Cre the script creates a world, but the actor has to come in and start to fill in the gaps, right? No, no script can fully embody a person. So the actor creates, but then the paint they use is their own body and voice, right? Uh, mm -hmm, along mm -hmm. with lights and set and costume, I suppose, right? But, but purely speaking, the actor is also their paint. And then they become the canvas as well. So then you paint that paint on yourself. So it's an odd, it's an odd sort of art form in that sense that unites the person with the actual product. You know, unlike sculpture, or painting, and some other kinds of art form. Dance is similar. Dance and acting would be the similar too in that sense where the, the person becomes the actual product. And mm -hmm. which is why it can be such a slippery slope for folks to, to get enmeshed in the process. So I actually have a story I want to tell that I think will illustrate a point about this and, and hopefully encourage your listeners who are interested in acting but not sure if it's a thing they can do or, sh or should do. 
Um, right. So I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts at SMU. Got to throw a shout out to Southern Methodist University in Dallas, <laughs> Texas, uh, who just got beat in the NIT, by the way, by my wife's alma mater, Washington State. So, <laughs> so that was embarrassing, but exciting. Oh, okay. um, so at SMU, they uh, students were allowed to explore all kinds of methods, right, of acting. But in terms of the curriculum that we were taught, it was inf- uh, influenced mostly by a method uh, by a guy named Stanislavski. And Stanislavski's method was based less on a sort of combination of myself and my character, right? And more Mm -hmm. on what I'm going to call developing a deep empathy with the character uh, by way of immersing myself in their purpose, not necessarily immersing myself in them. And that's different. Mm -hmm. Right, right. right. So uh, Stanislavski's uh, method is, is most informed by what are known as objectives, right? You maybe have even mm-hmm. heard jokes about this when actors turn to the director and say, so what's my objective in this scene? You know, <laughs> that's largely kind of a joke now that stems from Stanislavski. Um, so so uh, an example I want to give of where I had to figure out how to do something on stage that was personal, where the character does something personal and physical, but I was struggling to connect it and, and make it make sense to myself. And then when I finally did, I think it all came out in a very healthy way. So what it was, was it was actually not even a full-fledged performance or, or mounted show. It was a scene work, so it, like in a class. It was my junior year at SMU. And so when you're doing acting work, a lot of your assignments will be acting, of course, right? So, uh, but, but just single scenes and things like that. So this uh, young woman and I, classmate of mine, uh, were doing this scene from a play written in the 1930s. So uh, really kind of an interesting experiment in language and, and culture context because it was very different than how we talk and, and all the rest of it. And, and in the scene that, was, that our teacher gave us, uh, it, the climax of the scene is this passionate kiss. And uh, I had no problem with the kiss because I had already worked that out. You can, I can talk about that kind of thing more too, just for people who are wondering how do you do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stay, you know, whatever. But in this case, uh, it wasn't a moral like, oh no, I can't kiss somebody I'm not dating or whatever. But it was more like, I don't want to kiss this person uh, because I don't have any connection here. Mm-hmm. Not with mm-hmm. the my classmate. We were buddies, you know, but our characters. And, I, and every time we would do the scene, I just couldn't get there. So we would go to we would do the kiss in rehearsal, and I'm like, that was terrible. Like I was like, dead fish, <laughs> it's not working. There's no chemistry. We're saying all our lines. We're doing all our blocking. I'm even connecting with some aspects of this character, but um, this is the moment I can't make sense of this, right? Um, so what? So I had to do was start doing a lot of internal work, asking things like, why does this guy kiss her? What is in his mind and his heart? What is his objective? Why is he doing it? What does he really want in life, right? And how does this kiss, which was which was in the script, so it had to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Why does this kiss, why does it have to happen to tell that story? So we actually found it really like a day or two before we had to perform this thing. So we were it was down to the wire. And uh, we found it by changing our blocking. That is where we were on stage and how we moved, right? And so what happened was... Um, as we, I, we had to like, let's shake up the blocking, try some new things. And so in this moment, I, I decided that after a certain line, the line before the kiss, I would walk away like I was going to leave. Uh, and I can't remember what she did. She did something in, in reaction to what I had done. Like, I think she sat down or she, and I, and I remember looking back and we were basically just improvising. Like, let's, we just have to try some stuff. This, this is all so wooden. It's very false. 
Uh, so I looked back, and in that moment, in the in the course of stopping myself and and kind of doing a, a double take, like, do I really want to leave? I don't know what it was, but in that moment, I saw her, and I could feel my character going, "No way, I can't leave. I can't leave." And, and so I rushed back to her, grabbed her, and kissed her. Um, and afterwards, when we debriefed on that on that run, both of us were like, "That that worked. That was that was what we needed." And so we found it, not by changing lines or or messing with the script, because you're not allowed to do that in live theater, but rather we found it by way of exploring non-verbally, who are we together? What's the dynamic like between us? Now, the point about immersion is this. If we had been struggling to figure out how to make that kiss organic and seem real, a really unhealthy way to go about it would have been to say, so I'm struggling with this kiss. It's not feeling real. Let's grab a couple drinks after and we can figure this out, you know, in my place. <laughs> like, that would be a very unhealthy right, way. Right. It, would, it might work. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, people might come up to you after the performance and be like, wow, you guys are really into each other, right? Um, right. But, but we would have we created that in a way that's ultimately unhealthy and enmeshes mm-hmm. real life with a fictional life, right? Right. So I, I knew how to kiss a girl. She knew how to kiss a guy. We didn't need to practice. So there was no point in, in manipulating it. So it's, it seemed like that was the problem. But rather, each of us had to get to know these characters better and get to know what they were really making them tick. And once we knew that, then the kiss happened very naturally. And it happened without us having to get enmeshed emotionally with our characters. We could stay, we could literally finish the scene, walk away, and be like, high five, good scene, and, and go home. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, so that's that, good. That's a good example. Yes. Yeah. She did stalk me for seven years after that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yes. You know, and I'm glad you said that because um, I've just heard stories of some of the actors where after they've done, you know, uh, um, secular television, when they've done movies, especially real strong, emotional, mental uh, type movies, the, how it has affected, you know, some afterwards, even certain yeah. horror movies oh, because yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. And I have a lot of yeah. empathy for that. I've never been in a, a situation maybe like that intense. So I, I don't definitely don't want to cast judgment on people who, right. who, who even, especially if it was accidental, right? They found themselves kind of messed up after a tough role. Mm-hmm. I've played some really, I've played, I, I've played a very disturbing role. I've played a couple disturbing roles um, and uh, managed to get through them with, with the same kind of health that I just described. Um, I also remember I, I played a role uh, where my character, he didn't have to do this on stage, which is nice. I'm glad it wasn't gruesome. But in the story, <laughs> this is, my character took his own life. And um, uh, he had a girlfriend in the story. And so the gal who was playing my girlfriend, she had a really hard scene. I remember listening to it because I was backstage because my character was, you know, dead. Um, so I was backstage and I could hear on the monitors and where she had to tell uh, that her boyfriend had lost his life, right? And it was hard, and she was in tears, and she was an amazing actor. She did a great job. But every every show afterwards, she'd come backstage, and I would always be waiting for her, and we'd have a big hug, and she would kind of wipe her eyes, and then mm-hmm. we'd high-five and see you tomorrow. you know. And it was a way of punctuating this and going, there, we told the story, and, and, and now we can move on. And so there's, there's, there are ways of separating oneself from the fictional world that you're telling that's healthy and keeps it from infecting your, your personal life. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you know, I was, you know, with the way things are now in the entertainment industry, I'm so excited because I know that, 
there are more acting scenes for Christians, more availability for Christian movies. Um, uh, I've seen them all over. I watch a lot of them. There's different um, shows that you can watch now. It's a much more variety than what it used to be. Um, and that's a great thing that to really be able to have that. So do you believe that having Christian actors will be you know, of a great benefit in the entertainment system, even more so now? Yeah, I think so. I'm actually curious. What have you watched that you that you really liked? Like, what kind of stuff is out there that you that you'd recommend? Um, even when I was younger, I would show like these evangelistic tool type movies yeah. to the young people. Uh, and they've gotten better now, but in the beginning, it was a little uh, outdated, I should say. Okay. Um, but <laughs> one of them was uh, M1028. I don't know if you've seen that one, um, but it was talking about Matthew 1028 and um, the end times and different oh. things like that 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 was one uh, that was really good um and uh there's been several that i just don't know the name off of that's okay. um the prayer room i think it's the prayer room yes war that's room. a good one war room, war room yes yeah. it might be the war room yes and that one um and the channel now that they have where you just have specifically where you can just watch tons of uh, like upcoming movies that's coming out. There was one about this guy who was rich and um, he had to trade lives with somebody that was poor. It was, and that was a Christian, but he was poor and they traded places. And so he had to see how it was and ended up um, wanting to be um, the poor person because he had more value and he understood who he was. And so uh, that was one of the ones as well. Uh, that I saw, but cool. yeah, good, good. And the passion, of course. Oh my gosh, right? <laughs> yes, it's yes. Like the, that's sort of the yes. well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that one. I didn't even think about that. I was thinking about more mm -hmm. like, more like uh, extra biblical stories like War Room and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. But the passion, my gosh, you know, like uh, you, one can think what one wants about uh, Mel Gibson, and that's fine, but. Uh, that was a master that was a masterwork in storytelling yes uh, yes very yes. difficult I, I could never watch it again i every year around, I, this, <laughs> around this time of year yeah. i'm like i should probably go back and meditate on the cross uh, in that movie and i just can't i can't quite bring myself to do it um, yeah you know and i think what what ultimately was so compelling about it it wasn't really the blood and, and gore itself it was that uh mel gibson and the actors managed to capture the cruelty uh, and it was so relentless, this cruelty, where uh, the, a lot of people focused on the actual sort of physical violence piece of it, but it was the, it was just the outright barbaric cruelty that I just was like, can you please give him a break? Like, wow, like enough, right. enough whipping, you know? Um, so the blood it was seemed bad. to go on and on. Yeah, it was exactly. <laughs> that's what I mean. It was like the yeah. blood was bad, but it was the relentlessness of it that was like, I think mm -hmm. I'm done, you know. Mm -hmm. But that mm -hmm. was exactly what Mel Gibson wanted you to feel, because when we were done, he wasn't done, and uh, that's why we worship him. <laughs> in, in, right, in, in right. In a nutshell. <laughs> right, right. You know. So yeah. So to answer your question about Christian actors or really Christian artists, even you can call them theater artists or film artists mm -hmm. in the industry. I think the answer to will it, would it be of great benefit in our entertainment system is uh, yes and no. And I think this is a yes and no really everywhere in, in the world. And so I'll go yes first and then maybe no after that. Okay. Uh, I think the, the yes is where any Christians in any industry is a benefit, right? So mm -hmm. you, could be, you could be changing tires or, or building skyscrapers or whatever, and Christians in that industry are essential. Uh, 
different and really how God designed the kingdom as well, right? Uh, to be leavened in the dough uh, wherever we are. So, uh, but in entertainment, I think that Christians in that particular industry, the, the one of the primary challenges is to have the internal fortitude to keep Jesus at the forefront of their loyalties and not their own careers. Right. Um, because a Christian, you know, architect can be loyal to Jesus and know that the building she's designing is just a building, right? Um, what's some other examples? I don't know, like a, like a Christian restaurateur, right? Might say, yeah, I, I worship Jesus and I hope people come to my restaurant, you know? And it'll it'll hurt personally, financially, but also just it'll hurt my feelings if nobody comes to my restaurant too because I put my heart into this, right? Um, but those two things can still kind of have some separateness to it. Whereas right. that whole... Um, uh, a painter paint and canvas thing about actors can make the Christian who's supposed to die to themselves so that Christ lives in them and then they get into an industry that is basically a hundred percent about themselves <laughs> right. right that's where it really goes woof is this even even possible mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. that it is possible because a Christian can can be a good storyteller uh, without putting the storytelling uh, on an idol on the pedestal of an idol right so right. if a christian can say you know i worship jesus and that comes first and then i work as an actor i absolutely think it's possible and and beneficial and i've known christian actors who who can do just that uh they don't let themselves fall to the temptation that i need to uh, somehow make compromises in order to advance my career uh, and in terms of relationships, I think it's especially beneficial for Christians to be in the industry, sometimes in their own niche, like some of the Christian sort of films that are made, but also right there in the secular world uh, to try to prove a point by our actions that Christians aren't afraid of the world and Christians don't need to conquer the world, um, that we're there, we're there to tell good stories and we're going to honor Jesus in the way we do it. And that doesn't have to threaten the non-Christians around us. I think that might be one of the most important ways that Christians can be involved in the arts uh, because the arts famously for centuries really have had um, kind of an antithetical you know, relationship with the idea of Jesus. And I, it's a shame that that's been the way it's evolved, but, but it doesn't have to be that way. So I think that's, that's a lot of the value of Christians in entertainment. Um, by contrast, though, the no side of the coin is, is I think that if Christian artists get into the industry in order to conquer it, uh, that's where I think it wouldn't be beneficial um, for two reasons. One is that not every story is really going to fit a Christian paradigm perfectly. Some great stories need to be told and aren't going to fit uh, sort of the Christian criteria. Um and, the, the, you know, that's just the way it is, you know. So I guess if there was a Christian production company or something who understood that and was willing to do a show like, oh, gosh, what's a great secular show that's like changed my life um, try, or movie or show or, or, or play? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, Hamilton or something, right? I, I don't know. I, didn't, mm-hmm. I never mm-hmm. saw it. Did you see Hamilton? No, I didn't. I, I didn't. Right? We got to pick something we've both seen. We well, you know, you know, I'm just thinking about when it came to mind. Um, it was a comical show, but it was called um, uh, "What Women Want." Yeah, you right. it? Right. yeah, yes. 
Yeah, I just thought that was really good. I thought that was really a really good movie. Yeah, you know? exactly. So a movie that explores the dynamics between men and women, and they don't mm-hmm. have to go to church or pray together, you know, but it's right. still valid, right? It's a valid right. Concept. So I think if right. Christian production companies are willing to do that kind of thing and put out content that is more explicitly Christian, that's all great. You can We can have our niche, but it, I don't think it would be beneficial uh, in the sense that if I get into it in order to conquer it, compete with it, uh, show it that it's wrong, you know, mm-hmm. then all we'll do as Christians in that industry is reinforce the assumption that's already there, which is right. That we, I don't, understand. we don't actually care about people. We care more about our agenda. And, and that, that, that's that, so good. That reputation's already there. We don't need to help it along. So <laughs> I would say that, I, you know, don't get into it if that's kind of what you're after. Uh, there's other ways to, to be evangelical uh, than that. But, but uh, yeah, so that's my yes and no, I think, on, on that idea. And, you know, that goes kind of towards my next question about, you know, Jesus being evangelized, you know, through the entertainment ministry, uh, industry in the next few years because. Um, you don't want Jesus shoved down your throat. You know, we should be able to live the life and others should be able to see that. And that's, I believe that should be the same way in the entertainment industry as well. Do you think so, Mike? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I remember, um, a conversation I had in the only professional gig I ever had, uh, which, which I, I chuckle, I chuckle about that every time. Cause I love saying it like it's a big deal. <laughs> I got paid once. Um, but, um, uh, I was in the Shakespeare festival of Dallas in, it was two shows running in rap, so I was there six days a week, and, and it uh, paid me a little bit, but I still worked 30 hours a week at Starbucks, you know what I'm saying? So it's, <laughs> it's the reality. Uh, but I remember being backstage, and I had a little bit of extra time because whatever uh, role I had in the show, and uh, another actor was back there as well, and there was a couch in this particular area of the green room uh, backstage, and we were sitting there, shows going on, and somehow, you know, faith and life came up, and, <laughs> and he, he took great issue with, with it. Um, he scared me a little bit. He was big and he had these big long dreadlocks and it, and, and it worked for his character. But I remember being like, I don't even know this guy and I'm totally intimidated here, you know, uh, and I'm just skinny little me, you know. And um, and so he got kind of angry. And, and as he talked, though, I, I think it was probably the Holy Spirit really helped me out on this one was I just knew to not talk. And so he talked and he talked about how he was angry about things the church had done and so forth. And I was able to have a really authentic conversation with him that was in, in 100% non-defensive and just go, man, I'm really glad you told me that. How did that happen for you? You know, uh, and then he would go on and on. And, you know, he didn't drop to his knees and give his life to the Lord backstage that night, you know, but th- that's a moment that sticks out in my memory of I was sort of beautifully humbled that I don't have all the answers, but uh, that's not why I was there for him that night. I was there to just be somebody who ex- who represented Jesus in a way that was different than the than the hurtful ways he'd had it, uh, Jesus represented to him before. And and I feel like there's a lot of potential there uh, to share Jesus in worlds like the arts um, in ways that really are disarming to people. Um, mm-hmm. But the trick is that we have to be. Now here's where the acting comes in, right? The trick is <laughs> yeah. we have to force ourselves to be honest with ourselves and authentic about what we're really after, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. if I if if it's uncovered that the whole time I've been a hypocrite, right, a hypocrite, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. I didn't really want to listen to you or didn't really want to befriend you, but but all I really wanted was for you to join my church. But right. all you know, all is lost. So it becomes a moment for us as people to go. I need to make sure I'm not acting here, and that when when this person walks away from me saying, you know, I'll never be a Christian, but thanks for the chat, uh, that we're okay with that, and we pray for that right. person, right? So 
Right. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. So what would you say to encourage the listeners, you know, that may desire to pursue an acting career? And what is the first step that you think they should take? Great question. You know what? Can I make one more little footnote on my last? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, the idea of, of uh, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. We all know that image, right? Um, Atticus Finch, right? To Kill a Mockingbird. You know, you, don't, you never really know someone until you walk a mile in their shoes. Um, and so when I, as a Christian, and this is true now, even as a pastor, a church pastor, when mm-hmm. I sit down with somebody, uh, the exercise is, or the challenge exercise is, am I able to actually transfer my own sense of self into their point of view about, you know, life and everything? And I, and I don't mean pretend. I just go, can I sort of use my imagination and transfer from this seat to that seat? So that as they share, I can, this is the, this is like really the empathy I was talking about as an actor. It's like, if I was playing this person as a role, would I be willing to really get behind the scenes and go, what makes this person tick? And if I can, I think I have a much better chance of, of, uh, of, of communicating Christ to them because that's exactly what the son of God did in the incarnation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philippians 2 he poured himself out he let go of, of what he was entitled to and he did that so that we would know that he gets us and that he wants to be close to us so I have to be able to do that with someone else as well go where they are mm-hmm. uh, listen to their story and talk to them on their terms in the meantime also being anchored in Christ so I don't compromise but at the same time I never hold court uh, you know I think that there's a sweet spot in there that Jesus perfected that we're still that we're still trying to get our Mm-hmm, because it's it's being empathetic. It's being able to be able to really, like you said, get put yourself in their shoes. And Jesus was that. He was that ultimate example. Um, you know, I think about uh, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. He wasn't so quick, you know, to, you know, just judge and condemn. But he said, you know, you who was without sin, you cast the first stone. You know, you cast that stone. He was very empathetic and he was very understanding. And he probably was thinking more than we would ever know, you know, during that particular time, you know, with what was going on, because it, it says he wrote on the ground, you know, and we nobody knows what he was writing. But, you know, he was looking at all options. He wasn't just ready to just condemn, you know. <laughs> yeah, he could put himself in her shoes and go, what would I want if I was her? What would, mm-hmm. what would feel like God's love if I was her? Right, right, right. And right. Adjust how I communicate God's love mm-hmm. based on mm-hmm. that. And again, mm-hmm. that, that's not lying. That's just a, that's just customizing, right? Customizing right. The love, right? The other mm-hmm. one that came to mind right there is in terms of examples, because it's such an, a polar opposite uh, 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 example in terms of their place in society. Was Nicodemus? So Nicodemus mm-hmm. is this Pharisee. He's a higher up in the Jewish world, right? Lots of authority, uh, lots of prestige. And in mm-hmm. John chapter three, he comes to Jesus in the night because there's no night. way he's going to get caught coming to talk mm-hmm. to this sort of rebellious rabbi. And so he comes to and he starts asking his questions. And you know, the, we, we, you and I know, and, and maybe some of your listeners know too, that the Pharisees were Jesus' number one target in terms of his anger and his, you know, mm-hmm. he was it, Jesus was angry at people and, and most of the time it was those people. Right. <laughs> it was almost never the sinners. It was almost always the religious right. authorities, right? Right. And yet when Nicodemus comes to him in the dark, Jesus extends empathy even to him to 
go, man, it must be hard for you as a as somebody with a lot to lose. So the woman caught in adultery had nothing to lose. But Nicodemus had a lot to lose. That's true. And mm-hmm. Jesus was able to meet both of them where they were at. He was able mm-hmm. to customize the way he talked to them in a way that they would walk away scratching their head going, wow, I, I should take this guy seriously, you know? And so, yeah, yeah. there's some really cool precedents there. I mean, they, there's a reason they called Jesus Lord. Right? This is why. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yes. yeah, so awesome. We go on and on about that. But I know you were asking about some practical advice for people wanting to get into theater and acting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. honestly, I would say that number one thing overall is to get involved with the craft uh, because you love it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. If there's any ulterior motive, not only because you'll find that people call you out as, as deceptive, but also you, you'll run out of gas, you know? Mm-hmm. You'll just run mm-hmm. out of the motivation if you don't really love it. So make sure you love it. Um, like Kind of like when I was in seventh grade, right? Like if there's something inside you that's undeniable about when you hear that applause or you get a laugh or, or you see the tears, you know, depending on the show, that you just go, man, I love this relationship with the audience. Like that, that's that's probably something to pay attention to. Um, and then step two, of course, if you're a Christian and, and you're interested in theater, keep your own super objective in mind and make your decisions accordingly. In other words, be your own playwright and write your story the way you want it to be written. Uh, and I don't mean that in a humanist way. Like you be you. I, I, what I mean is, um, well, as I heard a saying one time, uh, make decisions today that you can live with tomorrow that's That's kind of what i'm what i'm what i'm driving at so if you're given if you're offered a role and it's in a a show that uh you you think is ultimately not good it's toxic it's bad it's whatever uh don't take it right Mm -hmm, and if mm -hmm. that means another year at subway then work at subway whatever you know just just have integrity with that piece of your journey go yeah there's certain roles i don't take and that's okay with me uh, and if you're like me, if it means ditching full-time acting because you realize that God has said, hey, I love you and I made you to do this and love this, but I want you to do it avocationally. I want you to do it on the side and I want you to do something else uh, full-time. Then do that. You know, um, I wouldn't have said that so boldly in 1999 when I switched from theater into ministry. I was pretty sad and pretty torn up. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm crazy. Yeah. You know, and yet for the last 23 years, uh, God has given me you know, just a steady stream of, of uh, short films, plays, skits. And when I say skits, I mean skits I feel I feel good about. You know what I mean? Good skits. <laughs> right. Not cheesy skits, you know. And, and any number of other ways that um, that I've, I've used my theater training, but also the God-given sort of piece of me that loves that every single day, you know. Um, gosh, during COVID, for example, the youth staff and I, we started doing chapel on video like so many churches did. But we decided to use puppets. I can't tell you how fun it's been to create oh, wow. these puppet stories, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. Puppetry is a really valid form of theater, you know, worldwide. So, yeah, so I'd say, you know, step one, get involved because you love it. Step two, keep your own super objective in mind and make decisions according to the script you're trying to write for your, your life. So that you, when you look back, it's the old write your obituary exercise, right? When you look back, you can go, man... Look at that. You know, 40 years ago, I started in my very first community show, and I'm proud of, of everything after that. That's really what you want to be able to say. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking while you were talking as well, Mike, is that, you know, you have to make that determination, even showing your relationship with the Lord, because there may be um, something that you desire to take, and it's 
uh, doesn't pay as much, but then there's something that pays a whole lot of money, um, but it may make you compromise and you have to determine in your relationship with Christ, you know, are you willing to risk that? Absolutely. Yep. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. And again, I didn't stay mm-hmm. in the industry long enough to face that temptation. I can only imagine how hard that is, especially if you're, you know, you're languishing in a tiny studio apartment and you're working some boring retail job and then somebody offers you a massive uh, a role and you look at it and you're like, I just can't with integrity do this. That's got to be a huge temptation. And, mm-hmm. and I never faced that. I, I ended up out of out of that uh, industry before I was in a role, uh, circumstances like that. So all, speaking of empathy, a lot of empathy for people who face that dilemma. Um, mm-hmm. But the ideal, of course, yeah, is that you can look back and share that story without any shame, right? Right, right. And that'll look differently. Well, you know, that, sorry, that'll look differently too for different people. So one time mm-hmm. somebody asked me, this is back, you know, somebody said, uh, you know, would you ever, would you ever do a, would you ever do a role that required you to take your clothes off? It's a, a mm-hmm. question Christians get asked a lot. And I jokingly, <laughs> I was kind of joking, but I was kind of serious. I was like, I don't know, am I playing Adam? Like, you know. Right, <laughs> right, 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 Maybe. right. Um, mean, meaning, like, so don't even like necessarily set your rules before the before the circumstances arise. Because uh, what if you what if you were cast to play the serpent? I mean, would you be willing to play the serpent? Would you be willing to step into Satan's shoes and and be that if the point of the story was ultimately worthwhile? Like, that's a question I think everybody has to. And some Christian actors would say absolutely not, and some Christian actors would say maybe, you know. And, mm-hmm, that, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, kind of between them and, and the Lord. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about that too, just uh, quickly about, you know, cause I've seen some stories and you were asking me earlier about some of the movies, like I've watched a couple where they wasn't, of course, you know, they wasn't exactly according to scripture, um, but they got the essence and the theme of what the Bible says. And some people are divided upon that. No, it should go strictly by the word. Um, it should stay by there. And then others says it shouldn't. I think um, the movie Exodus, Gods and Kings. Have you seen that no, one? I seen that one. Uh, yeah. And it's, it was a good story about the Exodus. Um, and it was a few little things that they changed with it. And a lot of people got upset about it. And so um, I guess, like you said, it's just uh, your conviction of what you believe um, you should even watch or do. Um, but sometimes if it's the theme and the essence of it that may draw people, I think it, it can be beneficial. Absolutely. I think the, the series The Chosen has been an excellent example of that. As people look at it and go, these stories aren't even in the Bible. You know, they, right, they completely right. made this up, you know, mm-hmm, between, mm-hmm. you know, between chapters, you know, I'm making this up, but between chapters six and seven, <laughs> they made up a whole world in there between those two chapters. And, and so they, uh, they took a lot of liberties, but of course their, their objective is not so much to make people know the Bible, rather their objective was to make people curious to know more about Jesus. And, wow, and okay. so, you know, well, I'm assuming so, at least that's how it seems. Um, yeah. And so you kind of go mission accomplished. You know, people watch The Chosen like this Jesus is way different than the Jesus that I've read about or that I learned about in Sunday school. And it's not because the the filmmakers want to be at odds with the Bible or Sunday school, but rather because they know full well that just telling the same story again won't necessarily engender any curiosity about this man who was the most remarkable man in all of history. So we have opportunities to take some liberties, again, not so much to replace, but to augment scripture or to be an introduction into a life with scripture. Uh, And that's really fun, you know? So again, it depends on the artist and what your goals are, what you're comfortable with. But at the end of the day, it's a resounding yes when it comes to Christians who can also do theater arts. Uh, The answer is absolutely yes. Uh, and, And you can have a ton of freedom and a ton of creative satisfaction, I think, in that, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Mike, you know, there may be someone listening right now that, you know, they're contemplating getting into the entertainment industry. Um, Would you pray for those that may be listening right now that want to do it and desire to do it, but are looking for God's guidance? Yeah, I would love to pray. Let's do that. Let's pray. (laughs) Okay. Oh, living God, when we talk about empathy, there is no (laughs) one with greater empathy than you. Your word tells us that you understand, Lord Jesus, you understand everything we experience, every temptation, every frailty. You wept, you laughed, you were hungry, thirsty, you slept, uh, you were lonely, betrayed, uh, that you know how it feels to be human and somehow yet without sin. And that's why we call you Lord. But it's the empathy that really makes us sort of never-endingly curious about you. And so when when we have uh, people or when you, Lord, have directed and even created people with certain talents that you've given them that help them have empathy for characters either in non-fiction stories or in fictional stories where those characters engage in stories that help us uh, move from what's trivial and false to what is worthwhile and true and ultimately into your arms and ask that you would speak to them through your spirit now yes that you would inspire yes. them and encourage them that their their impulse to do theater isn't a mistake or an accident and that you aren't against it but rather yes. that you're working all the time to redeem everything we do from scooping ice cream to putting on shows so that ultimately you receive the glory and the world around us is attracted to you in a way that they can rejoice in and they can find salvation and life in you. We know you're building a kingdom. You're always at work. And uh, one of the ways that we believe you're doing that is through telling good stories, sometimes in person, sometimes on stage. And you need actors to do that. So yes. we pray for protection from the evil one, that the lies and temptations would fall away. And rather, there would be uh, doors that swing wide open down new avenues of opportunity for any theater artists out there who are feeling inspired, that they would turn back and say, I, I felt inspired by the Lord. I pursued that and he has blessed me because I've obeyed him yes. and given him the glory. So that's what we want. We we're excited to hear those stories and everything else we leave in your capable hands. Thank you for being the Lord. Thank you for carrying the heavy yoke because we're not that strong. Uh, we need you, Lord, and we love you all in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Mike, for just encouraging the listeners today and just giving them valuable information, even concerning um, being in the acting career, uh, what you are going to have to face and all of those different types of things. We really appreciate you for um, being on the show. But with that being said, tell us a little bit more about Bible Jazz and how to get in touch with you. You guys, uh, you need to, once he tells you about Bible Jazz, go over there and sign up and listen because it's awesome. But oh, go ahead. Gosh, thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's really easy. Bible Jazz is on all the normal like podcast platforms. So Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Uh, and the way to get in touch with me is you can follow me on Instagram at Bible Jazz. Frankly, I can't believe that handle was still available when I signed up for it, but there it was. <laughs> uh, so at Bible Jazz, it's that simple. And uh, you can uh, follow me and see what's going on and then Message me right there on Instagram is the easiest way. Uh, besides that, good old-fashioned email is there as well, and that is uppcbiblejazz at gmail.com. That's the best way to get in touch. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And listeners, thank you again for being a part of Tasty Tidbits today. We look forward to having you back again soon on another great episode, and you guys have a wonderfully blessed day. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tasty Tidbits with Dr. Tiffany Watkins. 
If you're enjoying the show, feel free to subscribe, rate, and share with your friends. To learn more about Dr. Tiffany, check out her blog on goodreads.com or visit her website at www.renewedfaithministriesinc.com. Until next time, stay blessed.